Tito's and Shiner Gonna be an all-nighter And I just might find her At the Whataburger line Dance halls and women But man, I'm wishing That I was fishing by the river tonight In Texas Howdy, 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 everybody! (laughs) Welcome back to another really exciting episode of Tex-ish, the show about some things Texas And some things not But first, as always, our not-sponsors Our first not-sponsor for today's episode, Seth is how cool cyclists look when they're on their bikes. So cool, Gunner. Do you like wearing tight, really tight spandex with really sleek glasses? Are you a little bit overweight and your wife is telling you to get out of the house and lose some weight? Go buy a bike, buy a cool outfit, a onesie perhaps, a really colorful tight shirt, and of course, those sunglasses and a sleek, sleek helmet. You may not be fast, but you're going to look good. Cyclists, they always look cool. Cyclists, the coolest people on the street. Cyclists, the coolest, most not in shape, in shape people on the road. <laughs> Cyclists, for people who want to spend time away from their families but don't really like fitness. <laughs> Cyclists, for guys who just got to watch the game later. <laughs> I like that one. Our other not sponsor, we may have done them before, we'll probably do them again. Our other not sponsor is Lone Star. We haven't done them before, actually. We, oh, we haven't done them before. And Excellent. this almost counts as a real sponsor. I, that's why I bring it up. <laughs> Lone Star liked one of our posts. Let's go. Not sponsored by Lone Star, the great beer of Texas. The greatest beer? Maybe the greatest beer ever made. Quite possibly the greatest kind of beer in Texas. You ever have a hot afternoon where you've been mowing the lawn, sweat on your brow, that feeling of accomplishment as you walk through the door? What's going to make it better? Lone Star. Not sponsors. Are you already eating barbecue and going to feel like shit later? Might as well have a Lone Star. Might as well have a Lone Star. (laughs) Lone Star. The beer of Texas and the beer of this podcast. They don't sponsor us. But we like their beer. All right. Our first up is our small town of the week. A very special, fun town for you. Earth, Texas. The only city in the entire world named Earth. There's only one of them. Earth, Texas was established by William H. Hazel, who laid out the town site in 1924. Originally, Hazel named the city Fairlawn, but in 1925, it was renamed Earth when it was learned that there was already a town in Texas by the name of Fairlawn. In order to find a new name, the townspeople sent in suggestions and agreed upon the best name was chosen. So keep that in mind. Earth was the best name chosen. Wow. That's insane. I just want to know what other names there were that the townspeople were like, ah. Dog. Dog. (laughs) Ground. Purple. Barn, Texas. Chair. I wonder if there was one kid just sending in penises. (laughs) So after the fifth penis, the mayor was just uh, like, ah, Earth. It's Earth. Earth. It's Earth. Earth. We're on Earth. We're done. (laughs) They were like, where are we? (laughs) Somebody got really high that day and was like... So, yeah, Earth, Texas, Texas. population 806. Nice. So, Earth, Texas... That's a solid number. You were once Fairlawn. You will always be Earth from here on out. We salute you. To Earth. Now, 
on a very special day in Texas history. Mm-hmm. This one is really near and dear to my heart because yeah. not only is it football season, college football is back. Yeah, yeah. High school football is back. Mm-hmm. Pro football is back. Mm-hmm. The UT A&M rivalry is going to be back it's in gonna a couple be back, of years. Uh, about five years, right? And in about five years, yeah. been, a, been some crap talk going sure, on. a little bit. Aggies are complaining as right. we as we do. UT is turning their nose up. As they as do. As they do. But there was a special day in Texas history. Mm-hmm. In August of 1919, mm-hmm. the very first Bevo mascot was barbecued, well, slaughtered, and then barbecued by the student body. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's that, 1919. I mean, they were hungry. They literally decided after that. So the first Bevo was in 1917. Sure. Yeah, I was going to be like, what's the what was the context? So like, they first brought on the live... Yeah, the steer, Bevo, yeah. longhorn steer Those mascot. Those of you who don't know, and like, I don't know how you wouldn't, but th- that's part of the thing at a UT game. There is a live There's steer. There's a live. His name is Bevo. His name is Bevo. He's the kind first, of our mascot. Yeah, no, he is the mascot. Yeah, yeah. The first I mean, Bevo. Matthew McConaughey's our mascot. He cost ten dollars to feed every day. Wow. So yes. the alumni association association decided that he was too big and expensive. Mm-hmm. So to kick off the football season in August of 1919, they yeah. slaughtered him on campus. That is so dark. And the student body ate him. And my this is terrible in my head. I'm envisioning those scenes where you've got like the football team like smashing a car collectively. Oh my gosh! The but best. It's Bevo. I, <laughs> the best part is so he was actually. The student body ate him, sure. but specifically he was served up at the 1919 season banquet attended by both Longhorns and Aggies because the wow. Texas A&M UT game was the next day. Oh, man. So even A&M got in on the action. Who won on uh, that first one? I don't know. I a and won that game. <laughs> oh, man. That's what you get for sacrificing. That's what you get for sacrificing the mascot. <laughs> oh, so That is hilarious. I, I wish I had been there. Hey, y'all. Um, listen, this this cow's getting pretty big. Uh, we don't really have it in the budget to continue feeding it for the rest of the season. So, But don't worry. We can I'm feed y'all. I'm <laughs> solution-oriented. Have proposition. I got an idea. Chuck, you still got that uh, smoker out back? <laughs> Light it up. <laughs> I'm going to go get the 12 gauge. You go uh, get the wood. Bevo, it's going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. <laughs> oh, oh, my no. gosh. <laughs> oh, Bevo, rest in peace, man. Man, what if for the next Bevo, <laughs> what if they started letting, like, local Austin Pitmasters roast, like, slow cook him or something? Mm-hmm. Like... I wish they would have kept that tradition alive a I little do bit. Too, yeah, like something like that. I mean, I think there's still like the giant, you know, first game barbecue, whatever. But it's more informal, and there's no and Bevo's there, so you know that right. it's not. <laughs> you know that's not Bevo. Oh man, that is. Don't dark. you love it when I, I have, love it when you? Yeah, don't yeah. you love it when I'm the one that has day in Texas yeah, history? I love it. It's always, dude. I love it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, who's our badass? Because you um, actually told me I'm really excited about this one, and not just because the the badass himself is pretty interesting. I'm most excited because this is our first listener submission. Oh, really? Really? Uh, our friend Aiden. Okay. Uh, shot me this guy's uh, Wikipedia on Instagram. I was like, hey, I had an idea for your next badass. Uh, and I couldn't wait to do it. Like, it, it's such a good fit. All and, right. And let's, uh, he gave me a little, like, see if you can spot the detail about him. Okay. 
that's, that's why it's so interesting. This guy's name is Eagle Pennell. Eagle Pennell. He was born on the 28th of July in 1952. Okay. In the small town of Andrews, Texas. Huh? <laughs> he was raised in Lubbock, which is why we don't know who he is. Okay. So born in Andrews, born in Andrews where we're from. Raised in raised Lubbock. Raised in Lubbock, where Station. God we're not from. <laughs> and College Station, where his dad was a teacher at A&M. Eagle Pennell is a filmmaker. Okay. Was a filmmaker. Uh, his... Seminal work, The Whole Shootin' Match, a film that premiered in 1978, is often credited with inspiring Robert Redford to start the Sundance Institute, which is kind of a huge deal. That's a huge it's deal. It's a massive deal. So this guy born Glenn Irwin Pennell changed his name to Eagle Pennell whenever somebody told him his nose made him look like an eagle. <laughs> okay. Which, come on. That's kind of funny. That's kind of funny. Great nickname. And a uh, great beak on him. Oh, great beak on this guy. You got to see him. He's got just the best mustache. Like, look at this guy's beak. He actually does he look actually, like an eagle. Yeah. He looks like, he looks a little bit like if dad had, like, a, a hawk nose. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I feel like everybody's mustache looks a little bit like that. Definitely. Um, so, he went to school at UT okay. for filmmaking. Knew he wanted to be a filmmaker. He had grown up playing with his dad's Super 8 camera, doing, like, home movies of his brothers and sisters, which is a very common theme that you mm. find with, like, filmmakers. Yeah. So they're Especially doing of it, that era, Of right? that era, yeah. They're they're constantly, like, remaking the movies they saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're they're constantly, like, thinking about things like that. They're the like friend that. that was always filming. Mm-hmm. They're friends doing stuff. And another, like, very common thing with filmmakers who go to school is they will drop out. The mm-hmm. good ones will drop out at some point, as he did. To work in film. Okay. People forget film is like a very blue collar job. There are unions involved. It's very hard work. It's long hours. Most of it's hourly until you get to a certain point. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult stuff. And if you're good at it, you start, you can start working in it pretty quick. Yeah. Um, And once you're working in it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to go to school for it. Mm -hmm. So this guy starts working pretty quickly and he, uh, (laughs) his, uh, his first documentary was called Rodeo Cowboys, and it chronicled rodeo, uh, a rodeo school near Lake Travis. And he organized Austin's first film festival in 1975. Uh, the first narrative short he did was called A Hell of a Note, and it inspired his most notable film, which we mentioned earlier, Whole Shoot and Match. And he uh, got this guy, he was an Austin writer named Lynn Sutherland, to get it written and produced. Um, it's a tale, if, if anybody didn't know the Whole Shoot and Match, it's about these friends who uh, are kind of, they want to be entrepreneurs and they kind of get this, you know, quick rich scheme thing going, mm-hmm. like they're hustlers, they yeah. can't make anything work. And this movie won like tons of awards, won seven awards, uh, inspired Robert Redford. And so this guy's got a lot of heat on him. Yeah. Uh, he makes his second movie, a feature you may have seen called Last Night at the Alamo, which is a really good like hangout movie. Mm-hmm. Friends go to this bar, it's uh, going to be demolished and they, they're just kind of meeting up. Uh, and it ends up getting a lot of praise at like New York Film Festival and Telluride. Um, it gets a lot of rave reviews. Now, Eagle, like a lot of filmmakers, had some substance abuse issues. I had a feeling it was about to go this direction. <laughs> <laughs> so his other, like, he only made a couple more movies, and they none of them lived up to mm-hmm. his previous two. Okay. So, uh, you know, he did not live a long life, you know, Obviously, that factored into it, and in 1952, or uh, in, sorry, in uh, 2002, he died right before he hit 50. Wow. Yeah. 
But the reason I want to highlight him beyond just uh, you know getting this user this this submission, this is our first listener submission. <laughs> it's a listener submission. I'm so excited about it. Texas pod uh, on Instagram, DM us if you know us. Just text us. The thing that makes this guy a badass is one embracing the name Eagle. True. Come on. Come on. Two starting the first Austin Film Festival. I mean, you can argue. In 1975. Which, you could argue that led to South by Southwest. You could argue that led to South by Southwest. You could argue Austin Film Festival is what launched careers of, you know, so many young mm-hmm. filmmakers. Uh, and just his work there is something that I think we can all look to and say, all right, what do we do with our lives that we can start something mm-hmm. that will then help the future yeah. do what I like to well, do? Well, and even give you that. That hope, that glimmer of yeah. hope of, okay, I might not achieve all the things I want to achieve yeah. doing this thing that no one's ever done before, but maybe the ripples from here will lead to maybe lead to the Richard Linkletters, lead mm-hmm. to the people that are starting yeah, to make films Anderson. in Austin, mm-hmm. or at least come out of Austin, absolutely making better films than people who live in L.A. or people who live in New York. Right. Um, and... Being the catalyst for Sundance, which exactly, is, which we all know Sundance. At we this all know point. at this point we all know Sundance, and the fact that I mean, ten films out of Sundance every year are getting bought by Netflix, mm-hmm. Sony, yeah, HBO, yeah. like, and this is the guy who helped inspire it, and like, no one knows about him. Yeah, and he's born in he's Andrews, born Texas. Andrews, Texas, where we're from. That is, it's awesome. trippy, right? I love. Yeah. I feel like you, know, you do a better job of this than I do because, again, we're getting a really good feel for our personalities <laughs> as far as who we choose and what towns we choose. Anyway. You always find these people that were catalysts for growth and change mm-hmm. in certain industries. Oh, I'm sure at some point I'll start going the other direction. And I'll probably go the direction <laughs> you go. But I just think it's cool that we've discovered and yeah. uncovered these people from Texas that yeah. – I haven't heard about, but holds such a significant place in not just Texas history, but right film history, music history, baseball history, exactly w- women's history. Like, and I guess it's like a selfish thing because I want to know what I want to know the good things about what we yeah. can do. Well, I, I want to wanna, know the legacy. I want to the legacy of the land around me mm-hmm. and of the people around me. And I and I'm aware that there's so much about where I'm from. I, I'm. That mm. I don't know. That, yeah. that that's kind of like what I end up finding. Exactly. Yeah. Speaking of things we don't know about where we're from, we had a great conversation with Representative Brooks Landgraf. <laughs> <laughs> For those not watching at home, <laughs> I just farted. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> and it smells really bad. It's terrible. And I was about to have such a good segue. It smells like something died. <laughs> oh, no. My eyes are wild. Not sponsor. Bear Performance oh, Nutrition. God. Whey Proteins. <laughs> got me farting a little bit. Oh, man. We had Representative Landgraf on yes. and had a great conversation about just I've listened to that twice. Just how to, like, the Texas back. legislature yeah. works, his work in the mm-hmm. Texas legislature. And then about a week later... The new abortion law mm-hmm. and a couple of other regulations come down the pike that we at least had a better feel for mm-hmm. how that could have happened. But our really good friend, Allison Morebulware, gave us her time, came on mm-hmm. the show. She works at the Capitol, not as a rep, but as a lobbyist for a couple of different things, mostly in immigration and immigrants' mm-hmm. rights. But 
just shared her knowledge and shared not just her take and her opinion, but also just straight facts about. And I really appreciated that. How the inner workings of the Capitol itself mm-hmm. and Texas government itself got us to this point. So I feel like we got a lot of good insight as to how things like this happen mm-hmm. in the first place and our role as people and what we can do to influence these things going forward. Exactly. And just sort of get past the the emo- the yeah. emotional reaction to it cuz I truly as a Christian, honestly, mm-hmm. I think that this abortion law is atrocious. I yeah. truly do. It I, I, and it hurts me that I feel like a lot of people in government, government, Texas government, are using God and Christianity yeah. and 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 love as as a as a tool, to hurt as a people. reason, and a, as a yeah. tool to to justify such a anti-Texan, mm-hmm. anti-love mm-hmm. law. And it was really refreshing to have Allison come on. And for her to share so vulnerably, but also just factually, mm-hmm. this is how this happened. Yeah. And it's not right. No. Even the way it happened might have been by our laws right as far as the sure. way we got here, but that doesn't make it okay. That doesn't make it, that does not make it okay. And l- as an update, the U.S. Justice Department is now suing over the bill. As, as they, they should. should. As they should. Uh, and that's, guys, we go pretty deep into it, and mm-hmm. we get a really good idea for how these things work and yeah. why it wasn't killed on the floor and mm-hmm. all of those things. Uh, so I'm really excited for you guys to hear it because I learned so much. So much. And Allison was so gracious in giving us an opportunity to get some things out as well as inform us. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was just the perfect guest. Perfect and guest. And she was on her way home mm-hmm. to hang out with, the baby that her and her husband are mm-hmm. fostering. Yeah. She was in between work and that, gave us her time. So we're super, super thankful for her. So, Allison, if you're listening, thank you for your time. And yeah, we hope you guys enjoy this conversation. It's educational, it's fun, and we really enjoy it. Here is Allison Moore Bowlware. Allison Moore Bowlware. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the interview portion of this episode of Texas. The show about something Texas. And something's not. We have with us one of our best friends growing up, Allison Bolaware Moore. More Bolaware. More Bolaware, yes. More Bolaware. More Bolaware. No hyphen. No hyphen. That's part of the name is no hyphen. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Allison, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. I know you've got... A lot of stuff going on, uh, everything from being an awesome, you know, badass woman in Texas to, you know, having a little foster baby. Uh, you are one of the coolest people I know. So just, again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for the invite. Yeah. It's, it's a tough fact to follow Brooks Landgraf, but I appreciate <laughs> y'all inviting me. Yes, and it, it was it was such an easy decision, especially in, in lieu of some of the... Legislature that passed last week, mine and Seth's first conversation was we've got to have Allison on. Um, if, if we're even going to try and discuss this topic, the one person we need to have on is Allison. So I want you to know, truly, you were the first person we thought of, the first person <laughs> we reached out to. And we have a lot to learn from you and a lot we want to hear from you. Um, but first, just some context. We grew up in the same town, Andrews, yes. Texas. Mm-hmm. 
were neighbors for a short period of time as well. Um, yeah, can you just give us a little bit of background on your journey mm-hmm. from Andrews, Texas, all the way to the literal Capitol building of yes. Texas? Yes. So when, you know, Seth and Gunnar say we grew up together, we really did. <laughs> I vividly remember going to Seth's birthday party, and yeah. I wanted to be Tinkerbell, but my mom made me wear my older brother's Peter Pan costume. So, you know, it goes way back. Um, Seth and I were on the debate team together, mm-hmm. as well as just, you know, experiencing high school in a small town together. Y'all went to prom together. We, went to we prom did. Together I was actually thinking we should post a photo. Absolutely. Y'all should post <laughs> Those, I have that was That was the most fun. It that was, was so fun. We also were serving some looks. That's you know? true. So, That's yes, we will, we will share a photo. We'll but absolutely share those. Yeah. So, um, you know, I grew up in Andrews. Um, and honestly, the entire time that I was out there, I always kind of pictured myself staying in Texas, but I knew that I didn't want to stay in a small town. Mm-hmm. I always was more interested in like city life and especially, you know, being in a small town. You know, if you do things a little differently, you kind of stand out. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So y'all and probably you, remember. And you stood out. Yeah, I always stood out. I was very into, you know, fashion, quote unquote, um, which what that meant for me back then was wearing any mix of thing that I could that made me look different. Yeah. And yeah, so. I always was interested in more humanitarian things. I did debate throughout high school. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I went back and forth between, do I want to be a fashion designer, but I don't like sewing. But (laughs) I think I just like wearing cool clothes. But I'd like to do that while helping to, you know, change things. So my original major when I went to Texas A&M was political science. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up kind of veering course and doing international studies and actually studied abroad in China. And then after that, I really saw when I came back to the U.S. um, that I wanted to do something along the lines of helping immigrants and helping people acclimate to the United States and actually have, um, you know, grounded lives that aren't embedded in systems of poverty. And I saw all the barriers that people face when they, you know, live in another country but don't speak the language or know the culture. Mm -hmm. So long story short, um, I ended up going to get my master's in social work right after undergrad. So I did undergrad at A&M and then went to UT Austin for grad school, which made, it made my grandpa like roll over in his grave. (laughs) But I was so happy. You don't have to go into too many details, but just quickly, what was it like telling Doc and Coach? Yeah. So Doc and Coach, my dad is a veterinarian, which if you live in Andrews, you know him as Dr. Mm -hmm. Moore. My mom was a PE coach, but she is retired and everyone knows her as Coach Moore. Mm -hmm. So that is Doc and Coach. Yes. You know, I think that there was a shock to the system when I told them I wanted to go to grad school for social work because I don't think that there was much of an understanding of what it is. I think people always assume that it means you work for Child Protective Services, which that is one part of it. But social work is actually a lot more broad. But Mm -hmm. I think my parents were like, not sure what I was going to do with it. And that I was going to the burnt orange TU was like... Because they're both dyed in the wool. Yes, yes. (laughs) It was was a little bit of a challenge, but they did come around. Although my dad did wear an A&M tie to my graduation. Right. So, yeah. It's Dr. Charlie. He yeah. Wasn't, he wasn't hey, going to not do that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You got to let him, you got to let him have his thing. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
So yeah, where I am now is um, during my grad school program, I got the opportunity to do my final field placement, which just means your last internship. Mm -hmm. Um, I did my final field placement in the Capitol with a state representative who was a social worker and a lawyer. Mm -hmm. And so my desire was to see what it actually looked like to work in the Capitol because I saw through my time in my program that so many of the clients that we were trying to help as social workers were in systems that were set up with so many barriers that it was impossible for them to get out. Um, In my first internship, I saw clients that you know, weren't eligible for Medicaid because Texas has such strict eligibility requirements Mm -hmm. or didn't qualify for TANF, which is temporary assistance for needy families because they made just too much money, but they had, you know, children and couldn't work. And so there were a lot of challenges. So I decided I wanted to go more into the policy side and My first um, experience with that was the 2015 legislative session. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a love-hate relationship. (laughs) Um, I think that's most uh, people's relationship with, like, any political job. Yes. It's really rewarding whenever things are... Are done. Are going... Not even done, (laughs) just going forward. Yes. Um, And you see things happening, and you're making, you know, those connections and those relationships and starting to, to see the change that you're trying to cause but there's so much going on around you that you can't even Mm -hmm. affect or control or have any type of influence over. Exactly. Exactly. And so I really saw during that experience, I knew I wanted to be in that environment somehow, but I didn't know exactly what it would look like. Um, But I learned a lot and it was actually um, representative Landgraf's first session as well. So it was funny. I remember that his daughter was born like at the end of session. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it taught me a lot about Texas politics. It is very unique. You know, we do things very different here than other yeah. states, which, you know, y'all probably knew, but mm-hmm. it's a very different environment. And they say that if you've done anything in Texas politics, that's the only state that you know about because right. it's mm-hmm. so different than any other state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah. you know, between size and population and various like interests. Mm-hmm it has a lot of very unique things about it and exactly like, even within how the actual legislator works. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So where I am now is I'm a licensed social worker, mm-hmm. but what it looks like for me to practice is that all I do is policy work. So mm-hmm. I'm actually a registered lobbyist for the national association of social workers, Texas, and I'm okay. our government relations director. Okay. Yeah. There it is. All right. There it I, mean, is. I, don't, I, don't I know. know what you do. That's it. I know it's like a long title, <laughs> a long, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I've spent the last like, three or four years talking about, you know, we talked to our mom and our dad and we'll talk about Allison and my, you know, how's docking coach. I'm like, I don't really know what she does. I think like, a lot of people don't. I, I, always, in always, government? Come, I always come down to, I know she's making a difference. Yeah. That, that is what I mean, she does. Yeah, absolutely. I don't Stand know the time difference, making waves, making it, making it happen. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, trying to make a difference. Yeah, you do what you can. It's hard in this state. Yeah. And, and what, Day to day, what does, you know, what does your job Mm -hmm. look like? And you can even maybe distinguish between when representatives are Mm -hmm. in session and when we're not Mm -hmm. in session. Like what does the day to day look like for you? So great question. So just a little bit of a government lesson, Mm -hmm. you know, we meet every other year for our legislative session in Texas. So it's on um, the odd number years for 140 days. And a special session can only be called by the governor, and those last for 30 days. Mm -hmm. So right now, we are between our second and third special sessions. Mm -hmm. But during the regular session, um, my job is 
mostly being up at the Capitol. Mm -hmm. So either Mm -hmm. I'm there testifying in support or opposition of bills, talking to offices, letting them know why social workers are concerned about things. Mm -hmm. Um, I also manage our interns. um, So I help teach them about, it's really fun. (laughs) Um, Yeah, interns are really fun. They bring so much energy, but it's a lot Mm -hmm. of teaching them about how the process works. And all the work that we do is collaborative. So we're in a bunch of coalitions. So it's a lot of touching base with other people. I'm in a lot of meetings, but the session is very different than um, the interim, which is Mm -hmm. the time between sessions. So yeah, when it's not a session, it's a lot more strategy. Like what do we want to work on in the Mm -hmm. future? How do we build those relationships? You know, which legislators do we need to talk to to try to get them on our side? Um, A lot of relationship building and a lot of networking. Yeah. A lot of like any type of outreach based business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And and, in your time so far, what have been some of the specific immigrant issues that Mm -hmm. you focused on and that you've seen some progress in? Yeah. So it's interesting because when I ended up actually going into work, my focus was on mental health policy. Mm -hmm. So I've been more in the mental health policy, healthcare space, and now I'm able to circle back and do more things related to immigrants now that I'm at NASW. Right. Um, Which was your original call. Yes, that was my original call. But um, honestly, so much immigration work is done at the federal level Mm -hmm. that here in Texas, more of what we're doing is playing defense for things that would restrict immigrants. So. Last session, there was a bill that, or I guess two sessions ago, actually, that would have, um, that did, it did pass, but it restricted uh, cities from becoming sanctuary cities, Mm -hmm. which was actually a topic when we were in debate in high school. I remember that, yeah. Going back in those files, files in our brain. Even (laughs) even as simple as like running your interns. I remember teaching people how to do debate. Mm -hmm. And it's exactly like you described. You're like doing a lot of little meetings, like breakout sessions and like listening and and a lot of strategy. Mm -hmm. It It sounds familiar. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So... I mean, I think a lot of what we do here, to be honest, with where we are with the national politics and with Texas is a lot of defense on immigration Mm -hmm. and a lot of trying to make sure that immigrants are treated humanely. Um, And we have a lot of social work members who, you know, live in El Paso or other border cities that, you know, inform us what's going on. And I just try to communicate that to um, folks in the Capitol and to remain involved in those things. But to be honest, it's a bit tough to influence immigration policy in Texas. I imagine, yeah. I mm-hmm. imagine it's extremely difficult. And, and what, just completely candid, what are one or two of the, the barriers that mm-hmm. you run into most often? Sure. So I'll be honest, and I think one of the barriers y'all can probably assume is that mm-hmm. our state is more conservative-leaning. Yeah. But I think what I always reiterate to people is that if you actually look at the breakdown of the the House and the Senate, we are mm-hmm. more even than people think. Way more even. Yes. Yeah. But the leadership is all Republican. 100%, yeah. And because the leaders are the ones who pick the um, committee chair, women and chairmen, mm-hmm. they're conservative, more likely. More, yeah. Yes. So I think I always try to remind people of that. If you actually look at the yeah. um, numbers of presidential you know, votes last, last year, we were a lot closer than some states. And mm-hmm. I think people choose to forget that. We're they a lot do, more absolutely. purple. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, you know, that's part of what it, I love It's so one of those things where we're too big to yes. be a solid color. Exactly. Like really, truly. Between population and mm-hmm. demographics, it, it's... Yeah. Yeah. You never and know we're young. We yeah. have a young state. That's what excites me about... Texas and as we're you know 
not yet going to talk about it, but, mm-hmm. like, the the laws that people like me and you don't like mm-hmm. and that we have problems with typically seem to be championed by the old guard. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think it's going to be much longer before that just doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, I agree. But what's hard is getting folks into office. Yeah. Yeah, so let me back up and then I'll get to the office oh, piece. For sure, so yeah. I think the first barrier is that people in leadership are more conservative. Yes. And what I've come up against is that even if they are understanding of our issue mm-hmm. on a personal level, sure. they aren't comfortable voting with us. Because they want to get reelected. Exactly. So that is probably my top barrier. Mm-hmm. And then my second barrier, I would just say as a personal one, is that um, it is hard being a younger woman in the Capitol. Yeah. Um, not to get into too many specifics, but you know, I'm 30 Mm -hmm. and I am a younger person doing this job, Mm -hmm. but that means that sometimes I'm not treated in the same way that someone is that, you know, is older or is a man. Yeah. 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 So that's just kind of another barrier that Mm -hmm. I have experienced in this job. But back to getting people into office, the tricky thing is because we meet every other year in Texas, mm-hmm. they did that on purpose. Mm-hmm. They wanted Texas representatives and senators to be real Texans, mm-hmm. you know, living in different parts of the state. Yeah. Working. Exactly. Holding jobs, that whole yeah. thing. Brooks did a really good job of highlighting how important that is mm-hmm. and part of why that sets us apart in so many different ways. Yes. But what that has created is a barrier for people who don't have enough money to um, that maybe don't have donors or don't have enough money in the bank from their family to be able to take six months off. Because not only are you taking six months off of your job, but you're also having to take off time to campaign, Mm -hmm. to go to committee meetings during the interim and do other events. So you're really Mm -hmm. looking at someone has to have enough wealth to get to that place. Um, Or they have to have enough relationships um, with donors. Yeah. 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 Weird ways. And they always have to know enough wealthy people. Yes. So, right. Yeah. yeah. Which usually, if you know a lot of wealthy people, you yourself. Right. Had some level of wealth. Exactly. Typically. So, so exactly. it's that cash 22. Yeah. Um, yeah. I see, I see what you mean. And it just makes it harder for more quote unquote normal people mm-hmm. to get elected. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If that makes sense. And sure. I guess that's part of why, you know, people like uh, AOC are so popular, mm-hmm. especially with the youth, is it's like, who was this person? Right. They had, they had no wealth. They had no knowledge of any of the, you know, political goings on, mm-hmm. really, other than being interested in it. Right. And I think that's kind of that grassroots thing that the young people really like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, It's a good exactly. story. It's a really good story. Exactly. Um, but yeah. And one more question on your job specifically yes. that we're going to really... Yes. We're going to get... We're going to um, get there. We're going to get listen, there. Listen, <laughs> here's the, uh, the expletive warning. It's about to get passionate. Passionate, raw. Yeah, we're going to go there. But um, just I am intrigued by what mm-hmm. your day-to-day. Absolutely. Um, what is something about Texas and immigration that maybe just the everyday citizen mm-hmm. like doesn't know that we should know like what, mm-hmm. what is something that I'm not aware of mm-hmm. that I should be aware of yeah that's a good question I think the top thing that I want people to know is that mm-hmm. when you think of an undocumented person likely that person has overstayed a visa mm-hmm. that person did not come over in a very dramatic quote-unquote mm-hmm. illegal way And that the way the system is set up is that it is extremely hard to become a citizen. Mm -hmm. So what I always ask for is for people to just have more empathy for undocumented people. Absolutely. Because 
we did not make it an easy system for people to come and become citizens. So that's like the top thing I always want to tell people. And especially in Texas, you know, it's maybe people who came by a family member, were brought over with a family member. They had no choice in the matter that they are undocumented. And now they're having to deal with the ramifications of that, which is why things like the DREAM Act, you know, Mm -hmm. and DACA, some of these things are so important Mm -hmm. for um, Texans. Because I, I view them as Texans, you know, mm-hmm. they've lived here or they want to live here. They've worked here. Yeah. You've contributed to the economy. Yeah. You, you've raised children mm-hmm. in the yeah. community. You are a Texan. And they want to stay here. And you want to yeah. stay here. You have you have the grit and determination to try to make something. And, and it really sucks when the cards are stacked against you in mm-hmm. such a dramatic way mm-hmm. in, in those instances. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, so with that... It has been a really hard week mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. Texas, but I mean, specifically women in mm-hmm. Texas. Um, yeah, we, we wanted to bring you on to, you know, share what you saw in the mm-hmm. Capitol over the past few weeks. But I, I also do want to hear, you know, on the personal level, too, just mm-hmm. as, as, as a female in Texas, just with the new abortion mm-hmm. regulations mm-hmm. and laws, just... Personally, how, how have you been? How do you feel about this? And then I want to get into what did you witness, like being in the Capitol building mm-hmm. as, as this regulation yeah. specifically was being passed? No, I appreciate that, Gunner, because it was... I will back up and just give a little context for what this session was. So yeah, I think it's just helpful because again, sadly, the way it's set up is that it makes it hard for people who aren't in the building to know what's going on. But... Before session started, the way that it was communicated, you know, staffers were telling all the advocates this, all of the lobbyists were talking about it was going to be a light session. It was going to be, you know, quote unquote, not many bills were going to pass. Everything was going to be focused on COVID relief. Yeah. So then when the session started, no one was going in the building. They weren't having hearings in person because of COVID. Mm -hmm. Then the winter storm hit. And after that, that totally changed things. Um, The governor removed the mask mandate like a week later. Mm -hmm. And then the volume at the Capitol, it was like someone just turned it on full blast. Hearings were going, you know, full speed. Hold on, I'm going to need a drink of water. (laughs) Please. There you go. (coughs) Sip break. Excuse me. The pollen count's pretty high, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Really is. Um, So... <laughs> Excuse me. No, you're good. Um, so session, like, turned up. But what I think people don't know about is that it wasn't just this abortion bill, but it was a lot of other really controversial bills that were mm-hmm. being passed. So a bill to allow um, people to carry guns without a permit. Mm-hmm. A bill... Openly. Openly. Yeah. A bill decriminalizing, or excuse me, criminalizing people who are unhoused. So people experiencing homelessness no longer were able to, you know, live in certain areas. Right, the removal of the camping. Yes, uh, but they made that statewide. Yeah, statewide. Yeah, um, another bill that would have, um, or that did restrict abortion through, you know, mm-hmm. this bill. And so many other things happened. It was just like one blow after another. Yeah. On top of this, there were a lot of anti-LGBTQ bills, Mm -hmm. um, which for those that may not know, um, Texas actually had the highest number of any state of anti-LGBTQ bills 
um, filed this year, we had 30% of the bills across the nation. So it was for advocates just blow after blow of really harmful legislation. Yeah. So really everyone was tired. Legislation yes. Too. In most right. cases, it wasn't just like, you know, ensuring that private businesses could do whatever they wanted and that, you know, serve people they wanted to serve. Right. It was mostly sweeping legislation yes. saying, all right, we are making this illegal on the state level for everybody. Yes. And I wanted to make sure I'm looking at my list to make sure <laughs> that I have everything here. Yes. So there was a bill passed. Well, they tried to pass bills that would have restricted voting access. That didn't pass, but then I I can get to that later. Well, it did pass in the second special session. But then they also passed a bill to restrict teachers' ability to talk about racial history Mm -hmm. and punishing cities that diverted any funding from law enforcement budgets, which Austin has done, diverted some funding. And honestly, if you look at it, it's a pretty small portion of the mm-hmm. the police budget, but mm-hmm. diverted it to mental health supports, domestic violence supports, things like that. Um, there was also a bill passed um, criminalizing people experiencing homelessness. Mm-hmm. And again, the anti-LGBTQ bills um, were fought so hard that none of those passed. Mm-hmm. But what I'm just getting to the context of is that advocates were so tired. Yeah. I mm-hmm. told my friends, I'm not getting to support anything. All I'm doing is opposing is, things, mm-hmm. which is hard. What yeah. kind of toll does that take on, on obviously the office, but like you as a person, because mm-hmm. everything that you stand for is being so resolutely attacked. Mm-hmm. What, how do you like continue going forward? Yeah. I mean, I think I'm not going to lie that it did take a toll on me. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I felt really disillusioned and disappointed. And mm-hmm. I think what was hard for me was it was my fourth session and I had never seen it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you feel was the biggest difference? I honestly think that with the political climate of where we are, people mm-hmm. feel that they need to be more extreme in order to get voters, especially mm-hmm. with elections coming up and some of the primary voters I think that there was a backlash from Biden being elected, and I think that there was kind of a push for um, do what we can do while Republicans are still in power, is my personal thought. Mm -hmm. But the rhetoric was just totally different up there. You know, even more moderate Republicans that might normally be open to listening were so concerned about voters, their own voters, that they Mm -hmm. were voting in ways that they normally wouldn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it, even from, on a personal level for me, knowing nothing, I'm an idiot, and... We both are, that's why we, we both are, that's why we have this podcast, it's for us to learn. Podcasts are for idiots, exactly. right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, I mean, that's, that's, that we played with the title. <laughs> yes, yes. Podcasts for um, idiots, but it didn't, it as, didn't Because it, well. it really was after, after the winter storm, mm-hmm. there was this sudden, from the, from the governor, so literally mm-hmm. from the top down in the state legislature, this sudden swing towards yes. the right that mm-hmm. was really quick. It was yes. almost well, not even not even a swing toward like <clears throat> being a little more conservative in the mm-hmm. ways you think. It was a swing toward irrational, like yes. mm-hmm. um, religious right. Fringe issues right? yes. that the average voter, the, the average Texan does not care about. Yeah. And when you look at polling, some of the bills that they were pushing weren't polling well. No, they're really unpopular. Yes. And I think that for me, 
it was very hard personally. And just one story that shows how different things were this session was mm-hmm. that I was there for a hearing um, and it was already 11 p.m. and we were there to testify against an anti-transgender um, bill, mm-hmm. which is a hot topic right now. And I understand not everyone understands the issue. And what I just implore you know, you as listeners is that if you don't know much about it, to learn about it before you make up your mind. Because right. after talking to families and talking to transgender Texans, I've learned so much about you know, their needs and their barriers. But mm-hmm. back to the point um, that I was there for a bill, it was at 11 p.m. and someone next to me um, booed a child after the child testified. And this is an eight-year-old child there mm-hmm. telling their story, a transgender child. And honestly, y'all, I'm not like confrontational, especially with like a larger sure. man next to me that I don't in, know. In your professional and just to clarify, exactly. really quick, it was a grown man. A grown man. A grown man booed yes. a small child. Yes. Like that's an eight-year-old. That's what we're talking about right yes. now. Yes. Mm-hmm. I had never seen this before. That I had never seen this before ever, even on other controversial bills. Yeah. And I turned to him and, you know, said, that is unnecessary. And he told me, you can shut up. I'm gonna do whatever the hell I wanna do. And I was so shocked that someone, yeah. I'm not going to respond, but it's yeah. just, that was the way that the thing, that things were going at the Capitol. Mm-hmm. And it was so different. It was like people had lost a sense of decency. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, it's something I started saying for, I don't know if I heard it somewhere, but it's have some goddamn decorum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're in the state Capitol. Have some respect yeah. for what this means. Right. And you boo a child as a grown man. Right. I mean, that's the type of thing that we're dealing with. And I, to your point, mm-hmm. like, I guess that's why it swung so far is, yeah. is there's this disgruntlement among a, a so. larger population mm-hmm. than we thought existed. Right. I think so. And it was very, it was very hard for me personally. Um, cause I take like a lot of pride in my work and mm-hmm. I'm very connected to the issues. So mm-hmm. for me, it felt very personal, but right. I mean, honestly, how I keep doing it is because I do truly love our state the same yeah, as y'all and absolutely. I want to stay here. And so I do want to make it better. Yeah, yeah. And I feel that as an ally, mm-hmm. I can speak out on some of these issues and take some of the emotional burden for other people that might not be able to go to the Capitol or who might not want to mm-hmm. because they've seen how people are treated. Yes. You know? Well, then the other side of that, the other side of that is just that they say people who wouldn't be welcome there, yes, right. people who would never be allowed in, mm-hmm. and then you mm-hmm. get to speak for them, yeah, um, which is a hard job but a necessary job. Yeah, I um, mean, we've seen like legislators ask invasive questions mm-hmm. of women or transgender kids, and it's not okay. Yeah. So of course they don't feel welcome, mm-hmm. right? Because they're not. Yeah, and and that's that's a tragedy. What? What do you think is the driving motivator for this, like, extreme right mm-hmm. aggression and anti-LGBT, mm-hmm. anti-allowing anti women yeah. to have rights to their own body type <laughs> of stuff? Like, mm-hmm. is it religion? Is it being out of touch? Is it fear? Like, from the inside, like, what do you think mm-hmm. is motivating these mm-hmm. decisions? 
Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. And I haven't mentioned this yet, but I'm also a person of faith. So when mm-hmm. people are using faith as a reason to back, you know, hateful, discriminatory policies. That old dog won't hunt. Exactly. And it's it's just interesting because I've had conversations with legislators where I've said, I'm a person of faith too, right. and we disagree on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but to your point, Gunner, I do think a big part of it is fear. Mm-hmm. And I think that there has been so much advancement in equal rights, especially in the LGBTQ space, that I think there's a lot of fear. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, sadly, a lot of... Um, what are they afraid of? Well, there's a lot of harmful rhetoric that, mm-hmm. quote, being transgender is a trend. Mm-hmm. I've heard that from mm-hmm. multiple legislators. And it's like, no, it's because they're more accepted. And so right. people are more comfortable coming out. Right. You know? Yeah. Just, yeah. This is legitimately a different world right. than it was 30 years ago, 40 mm-hmm. years ago. But then when you're talking to a 60-year-old white man. Mm-hmm. Well, to, even different from when we were even, in high school. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I even remember, like... Again, we're from Andrews. It's Mm -hmm. a very conservative town. It's a very religious town. And from our high school experience, there were, I I remember even within those four years, Mm -hmm. things changing. Oh, yeah. Um, For the the better. Skinny pants became a skinny. (laughs) Skinny pants Somewhere along the way. Thank you, Steve-O. Yes. Uh, But why don't the people that are, I don't want to say the problem, although I'm I'm Mm -hmm. tempted to, why... (laughs) Why are the people who have these fears, why are they so impolite? Why are mm-hmm. they so uncurious and un-Texan mm-hmm. about the way they go, uh, you know, blocking these things yeah. and talking about them? I mean, I think a big part of it is what people feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And what I've noticed is, and this is just my perspective, so I want to hear y'all's. Sure. Mm-hmm. I feel like people are more open to understanding, excuse me, that someone is gay. Because they may know someone who's gay, they have a cousin who's gay, sure. co-worker, but I think for some reason some of these other issues feel more challenging for them, and I think it's because they may not know someone, even though they've probably met someone who's transgender, but they didn't know that they were transgender. Right. We all have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think it's because people aren't always exposed to different types of people, and I think it's because it's been created out to be a scary thing Mm -hmm. and because it's been in my opinion framed as an us versus them they're trying to force you to be inclusive they're Mm -hmm. trying to force you to do things you don't want to do and that's not the case it's just creating a space that's equal and welcoming for everyone right and i mean that's one of those things that i mean i will always advocate for complete equality Mm -hmm. like if there is anything that is opposed to it what are you doing? Mm-hmm. It's something that we're guaranteed. So by instituting some of these things, right? I feel like we're edging on unconstitutional territory. I truly don't know how SB eight is legal, which I don't know when y'all want to talk about that. But let's just <laughs> let's, let's just rip it, it off. Let's okay. go for let's it. Do it. Which it seems to me that it's not going to make it past some of the big Texas mm-hmm. courts. There's no way that gets all the way to the Supreme Court before some justice is like, this is unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. What and are you doing? it's also bullshit. Yeah. It's also, yeah, like at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you expect Texans to turn against Texans? Fuck you. Yes. Let's explain the bill to yeah. the Just listeners. All yeah. five of them. Uh, <laughs> all five of y'all, if you don't know what this bill is, mm-hmm. do you want to do it? Or do you want to I'll, do it? I'll try and you jump okay. in. Uh, Sounds good. Just on, based on what I've read and, and know about it. Mm-hmm. It's a six-week, it's a heartbeat, heartbeat mm-hmm. bill, basically, which is not new. 
the new part, the part that uh, is causing me so much trouble and like anger is that it basically deputizes any private citizen to Mm -hmm. bring private suit against anybody who not only had an abortion aided with all the way down to like an Uber driver. Correct. Mm Mm-hmm. Social workers Social are included workers, in that. Yeah. Doctors, and we're nurses, mm-hmm. your neighbor who gave you the phone mm-hmm. number for the like. Exactly. It, the list goes on. The, the mom who put you in the Uber. Right. It's, it's you're, everybody. You're putting a ten thousand dollar bounty on people's heads for being a good person. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you're spot on. I do think it's important to note that before SBA, you could mm-hmm. still get an abortion after six weeks for certain instances. Right. But this bill doesn't allow it after six weeks. Sorry, mm-hmm. Seth, go on. No, no. I, I was just excited because oh, yeah, I, yeah. I was like, yes, I forgot that. Continue. Yeah, and <laughs> it does not, and this is what I think is so important for people to mm-hmm. know, it does not allow for any exception for rape or incest. And the governor has since said in an, in an interview that he will eliminate rape. I don't want to get into too much detail about that, I don't know how you can do that. I don't think he has a leg to stand on on that one. Silence. <laughs> Sorry. I'm gonna put a cricket. I'm gonna put a cricket effect in there. I'm putting. I am put. I'm doing my first sound effect. I'm putting a cricket effect right there. You earned it. Good job. Yeah. But you are right. I don't yeah. know how. Um, I don't know how because. I don't know that you can. No. Unfortunately, I think there will always be those instances. Yes. As much as we want to work toward a more perfect society. Yeah, learning about consent. Right. I think there's been so much growth in learning about consent. Mm-hmm. And now, oh my gosh, the Gen Z yeah. generation is like all about it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and even to your point, and just like, uh, let me ask you the question. Do you think that just by talking about it, any issue, any uncomfortable issue, we can make that progress forward? I do think so. And that's my hope. But what I worry about is that the way that this bill is framed, Mm -hmm. it does not allow people to talk about the true issue, which is, it's not about, we're not debating necessarily abortion. We are debating, we're debating, should private citizens, Mm -hmm. like Seth explained, be able to turn in another Texan who quote unquote aided and abetted an abortion or who got an abortion. Mm -hmm. And I think regardless of where you stand on if you think abortion should be legal or not, that mm-hmm. in and of itself needs to be its own conversation because that is, I don't know how that's legal. That, I yeah, don't know that how. That can't possibly be constitutional. I, I don't. Mm-hmm. There's no way in hell. Mm-hmm. I don't. Um, but regardless of if it is or isn't, the bill is in effect starting on September 1st. Right. And I really encourage everyone, and I'll send y'all a link to this, Please, but I yeah, really we'll, encourage we'll everyone yeah. Yeah, to go watch the debate mm-hmm. on this bill. Where the questions coming from one of the representatives, Donna Howard, who is a nurse, who is mm-hmm. a seasoned veteran in the Capitol, she is the chair of the Women's Health Caucus, is asking very pointed questions about conception and about mm-hmm. how long, you know, and I will say I haven't been biologically pregnant, so I don't know what that's like. But from what I know, you don't always know that you're right. pregnant at six weeks. Well, because uh, the cycle is 28 to 30 yeah. days. And so we're talking about two weeks mm-hmm. lateness, yes. which happens occasionally. Yeah. And a lot of women like aren't always keeping track of that kind right. of thing. You know, different stuff comes up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And well, my, my well, wife, especially if you're like on, on the pill yeah. or it, which doesn't always work. And like, if you're whatever, there's so many different factors that go into yeah. like mm-hmm. possibly missing health yeah, exactly. differences. 
Yeah, my wife is a pelvic floor physical therapist, so works with a lot of women yeah. in, in, in that right. process. And every, a lot of the women in her field talk about a lot of women don't truly don't know they're pregnant mm-hmm. within six weeks at all. Like, right. that's such an unrealistic time frame mm-hmm. in and of itself. Like, right. in six weeks, you're buying a test. Right, right. And so for, like, we're already creating that barrier then you're thinking about people in poverty mm-hmm. who might not have access to even buying a test easily or live in a place that's stigmatized where they're nervous to buy a pregnancy test, you know, or in West Texas, there aren't a lot of providers that even do abortion. So then you're trying to figure out, how am I going to get somewhere mm-hmm. to get one? Do I have to go out of state? It's just so complicated and it's entering into a conversation that should be between the person who is pregnant mm-hmm. and their medical provider. And but now that medical provider is at risk of being sued. Which is a violation of HIPAA. It should be. I mean, well, I they, think it if is. if they found out, like, right. it, it would be a violation of HIPAA in that circumstance. This is so messed up. Even like, you know, uh, what is it? GoDaddy mm-hmm. blocked the, the site that you would report. ProLifeWhistleblower.com. Right. I mean, that that was the site. And yes. they were like, no, you cannot host that here. Mm-hmm. You have however many right. days to like find a new whatever, but they were like, no, we, we're not hosting that. There are legislators that have changed their Twitter profiles mm-hmm. to read that they are bounty hunters for baby murderers. And so I think that is a portion of Texans, like there are truly Texans who want sure to punish women Mm -hmm. and want to punish people who are supporting women. Mm -hmm. And so I think that is a very challenging space. I don't even know how to have a conversation with someone who's in that mind frame. Certainly not a a rational one. Right. And it's not just someone who's pro-life because I have plenty of people in my life who are pro-life, but this is like a level beyond where you're wanting to punish Mm -hmm. someone. And there's there's a difference between being morally opposed to something, Mm -hmm. but acknowledging that that's not your fucking business. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's where I've stood on abortion for a long time is that like, I personally wouldn't get one, but I don't want to stand in the way. And I have Mm -hmm. seen so many stories. Um, you know, someone I went Mm -hmm. to college with shared that they, you know, have had some challenges because they had a child, they have a a genetic disposition, predisposition to have a child that has something, an illness that Mm -hmm. would literally put them in harm's way. And Mm -hmm. so she was sharing her own story about how this bill would impact her. If she got pregnant again, she wouldn't want to do that to a child, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And this, this bill leaves no gray area. There's no, this bill is really fucked up. It's really (laughs) fucked up and stupid. It's dumb. Yeah. (laughs) You guys are mean. Uh, and there's no empathy. There's, there's no, no empathy. grace for people who say that they're Christians. And that's what I have a really, really hard time with. Right. There's no grace yeah. there. And, and it's, uh, to your point of that, like as a person of faith, when mm-hmm. when a bill like this is passed and every piece of it is backed by this religiously driven rhetoric, like because we're, we're fulfilling our Christian duty by being baby murder hunters mm-hmm. or we are, we're doing God's work by pre- preventing abortions happening in right. any way, preventing rape from happening in any way. It's, and let's be honest, we're not ever going to prevent, I mean, rape for sure, but right. like, we're never going to prevent abortions. Why wouldn't you ensure that they're safe? I mean, let's even take another step back, right? If your goal is really to 
save save a life, right? Mm-hmm. If that's really your goal, why wouldn't you do everything in your power to ensure that society is set up in such a way that the person has the personal choice yes. first and all the resources available so that they don't get pregnant in the first right. place, so that they are uh economically fulfilled so that their relationships are solid mm-hmm. so that they have a loving supporting community around them helping them make good choices mm-hmm. in life and so that when you know accidents happen you right. have all these things already in place mm-hmm. so that you know your goal of saving a life it's already happened right. like all right. all of the mechanisms are set up before we get here right but the problem is cuz i agree with you the problem is that texas has routinely denied Texans mm-hmm. more access to healthcare by not expanding Medicaid. Mm-hmm. We have the highest uninsured rate in the entire country. We do not have support programs for people in poverty. We don't right. have some of the safety net services or safety net programs that other states have that and I do understand they're smaller states. You yeah. know, they have different, you know, taxes than we do, but we don't have things in place to help people in poverty the way right. that they should. And we don't have um, sex education that teaches about birth control, and we don't have access to birth control. Mm-hmm. So right. what, are like, what are you going to do? You, yeah, well, that, I think one of the things about SB8 that is really perplexing to me is not, not just the you can turn people in for a cash reward, mm-hmm. but the idea that there's a cash reward of $10,000 to turn someone in, but we're going to make these women have the child, but then not give them $10,000 to help take care of the child. Something about that seems so backwards. Like, okay, so you Mm -hmm. have money. That's not an issue. So why don't we funnel it toward helpful resources instead of something so unconstitutional? Yes. Or if it is, if the woman is a rape survivor Mm -hmm. or an incest survivor, and then you're going to put them through the trauma Mm -hmm. of having to go through that pregnancy and birth. Like I haven't experienced that, but I can't imagine what that would mm-hmm. be like. And that could impact them for the mm-hmm. rest of their life. Not only them, the child. Yes. What if, you know, because at some point they're going to find out. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and another thing I thought about as we were going into this conversation and just thinking about just the atrocity of this bill and the way it's made Republicans specifically talk a lot about second and third order effects, talk about, Mm -hmm. you know, rational mind and things like that. And it's just funny to think like they made this bill and within five minutes I thought, well, what if the worst of the worst kind of men just start raping women, making them have the baby and then turning them or Mm -hmm. making them get an abortion, then turn them in just to Mm -hmm. get money? Like what if... I mean, it's all over the internet. It's, yeah. it's not like we're saying anything necessarily no, new these are, or unknown. There are a lot of theories out there. But it's just, all of these things are so logical, and it baffles me that the the party that prides itself on logic, rational thought, and, uh, you know, owning yourself. Or, small yeah. government. Yeah. Small, small government. <laughs> and that's, I, I do want to circle to, like, in your opinion, because mm-hmm. you are, you know, the closest we have on boots on the ground seeing this happen. Does it seem like, does it seem like the Republican Party in Texas is really pushing for small government to you? Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, I think it's small government in the way that they want it to be small government. Mm-hmm. It's small government in we're not going to expand Medicaid. We're not going to spend more money mm-hmm. on programs or we're not going to spend more money um, 
on things that we don't think are important. Mm -hmm. But where I think that they are not small government is on things like this, Mm -hmm. regulating women's bodies and regulating transgender people and Mm -hmm. LGBTQ people. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what I find fascinating is they want small government, but then they want to make laws about things that do not happen. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, how dare you touch my free speech, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to regulate to death Mm -hmm. everything about you. Yeah. So I think in a way they are, but in another way, in a more social way, they're Mm -hmm. not. Mm -hmm. But fiscally, they can say they are. Yeah. But... I mean, can they really? I mean, yes and no, but... And Texas again, I, yeah. has a weird budget process. It anyway. does have a very weird <laughs> yeah. budget process. Yeah. Um, and again, a lot of this, like for anybody who is listening, I I want to have the uncomfortable conversation and, and get as many different viewpoints, you know, as possible because I feel like that's how you learn and make the the best decisions. Mm-hmm. And what you know, and tell me if if I'm super off base here. I feel like the best decisions were not made leading up to this. Yeah. Well, what's I hear you. And what I agree, because what was hard was there were experts saying, Mm -hmm. do not do this. And we heard this across the board. The police association said, do not pass the permitless carry gun bill. They did it anyway. Experts on women's health said, do not pass SB8. They did it anyway. Same with, um, you know, people who are experts on, you know, helping unhoused people. They said this will not help. Criminalizing people who are homeless will not help them find homes. And they Mm -hmm. passed the bill. So sadly, I think that listening to experts does not always happen at the Capitol, um, which is really disappointing. Um, And I have Mm -hmm. to explain to my interns every semester, they're like, I don't understand why they don't just look at the statistics. And it's just not always the case Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at the Capitol. On any government level, it seems. Mm -hmm. Kind of picking and choosing what what works for them. Exactly. And and so what... Certainly back to something you said earlier, like Mm -hmm. SB8 specifically could put you in in a jeopardized position. Mm -hmm. Just how do you feel about that specifically? Yeah, so we actually had a member of NASW reach out to us after Mm -hmm. the bill passed, and that started our conversations about this bill. When Mm -hmm. the bill passed... Um, I actually registered against the House version of the bill, but then the House version turned into the Senate version through like an administrative process. So we had concerns about the bill from, you know, the session. Mm -hmm. Then when a member reached out to us to talk to us about they were fearful of being sued, it sent us down a rabbit hole over the summer. We talked to multiple lawyers. We got all this advice and yes, I have thought about that I could be sued mm-hmm. um, for talking about access to abortion or by, you know, sadly, someone doesn't have to have a lot of evidence to sue you. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I have been fearful of it, but I think I'm more fearful for social workers that are boots on the ground helping people. Mm-hmm. I'm very worried about them. I mean, we have people that are, that are you know, seeking their own legal counsel. Mm -hmm. We have a member who has sued over the bill. Um, So it's happening, but I am worried. Um, But I'm more worried about other people, to be honest. Yeah. How, um, how likely and how quickly, if, if likely, do you think that this will get shut down and, or, you know, I don't even know what to call the process, but one of the courts says. Like stopping it. Yeah, stopping it. 
Honestly, Seth, I thought it was going to happen before September 1st. Mm -hmm. I did too. That's, I think that took a lot of people by surprise. Yeah, we were prepared for, so we issued guidance to our members in early August, Mm -hmm. but in the back of our minds thought this is going to get stopped for Mm -hmm. September 1st. And then when it didn't, honestly, I have no idea. I feel really powerless and Mm -hmm. have no idea what's going to happen. I also thought that we would not have three special sessions. I did not think that transgender sports would be brought up on each of the special session call lists, Um, which for those listening, um, in a special session, you can only talk about and pass bills that have to do with what the governor asks for. And there's a list of 10 or 11 things each time. And all three times it's been transgender sports has been included. So just to clarify in Texas, Mm -hmm. the governor can push his own agenda Mm -hmm. onto the Senate floor and make that the only thing that can be Mm -hmm. talked about. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Very. Yeah. Thanks, Abbott. So, I mean, he got what he wanted the second Mm -hmm. session um, because, you know, for folks listening, the Democrats fled the state in the first session. Um, The House Democrats (laughs) fled the state. Which you got to admit, it's kind of funny. It's it kind is, of funny. But it meant that um, they could not vote any bills out mm-hmm. of the House. So bills were voted out of the Senate, and then they just stopped. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because the guy I worked for in 2015, he actually was part of a quorum break in 2001. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. what they did was they just crossed the border and stayed at like a day's in sure. in Oklahoma. <laughs> nice. So yeah, yeah. I think D.C. was a bit more of like a bougie trip. Yeah. Right. I, I yeah. think that was a... Yeah, yeah. but in the special second special session when the Democrats came back, they mm-hmm. were able to vote out a voting bill that we find restrictive, and it's not just us. A lot of other folks do for yeah. elderly Texans, mm-hmm. Texans with disabilities, people in um, areas without a lot of transportation. Yeah. Which is a bad. lot of areas in Texas. Yeah. Texas. It's we're making it harder for people to vote, well, and yet supposedly say, they're so... a party that wants people to vote. Mm-hmm. That's so anti-American, and again, anti-Texan. Right. We should be, all of us, across the board, pushing for more personal freedoms, for as much access to voting as possible, for everybody to be as involved as they want mm-hmm. to be, and make every effort to make sure the process is smooth, not constantly be limiting who can... Exactly. Whose opinion matters. Based on, like, totally false stories mm-hmm. about fraud that did yeah. not happen. Well, I was going to say, like... It still, it just, it baffles me how you, you just, you look at the logic of it. Like of the, you know, however many, um, cases were of fraud were brought, like two of them turned out to be actual fraud out of Mm -hmm. thousands. Right. Right. And it's this idea that, you know, there was one woman who was punished so severely. She was in prison for, you know, voting without, I can't remember the exact story, but she did, she voted when she wasn't eligible to vote. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't even purposeful. It was an accident. And it's like, that's what we're doing. We're punishing people. And then we're going to create extremely strict laws to Mm -hmm. keep people from voting. It's really hard. Mm -hmm. Because what we need is people less Stomach. Exactly. (laughs) Why? Mm -hmm. Why? If you're not scared of the election results, why are you keeping people from voting? (laughs) Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Then... Yeah. If you believe in the process, like... What do you have to fear? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then another priority of the governor is passed the second special session, further restricting what teachers can talk about and how teachers yeah. can talk about history and specifically um, leaving out certain historical events from right. required teaching. So 
He got those two things, but he didn't get the transgender sports ban, which Mm -hmm. for folks who don't know, this bill would require transgender athletes to play on this play on the sport team that aligns with the sex they were assigned at birth. Mm -hmm. Um, And that bill did not pass, but it's back on the um, list for the third special session, which starts in two weeks. (sighs) Yeah. It just seems to me there's so many issues that are more important. Mm hmm to be focusing time and effort on. I think so. Yeah. And I think a lot of Texans think so. If you look at comments, if you see, and I mean, I know not everyone gets on Twitter, but if you look at Twitter and like how people respond to, you know, when the governor makes announcements, people are like, what about the power grid? What about COVID? What about school finance? What about Mm -hmm. these things that affect all of us Mm -hmm. that matter regardless of party? It doesn't matter. We all want, you know, some of these basic things to happen in our state. And that's not the focus. The focus is these fringe social issues. Mm. What do you think the biggest cause is it? Why do you think those fringe issues are taking the most time Mm -hmm. and getting the most coverage? Um, There are rumors that the governor is trying to run for president. Mm -hmm. And so he's trying to run for much of anything, really. crickets (laughs) crickets <laughs> crickets there too I'll, I'll put it, we're not necessarily an anti-avid podcast no yeah. not necessarily yeah. we um, just pick these jokes and run with them i want to be very clear we we support all texans but mm-hmm. we want to make sure that the values of texas are upheld we want to make sure all right. texans are supported yes right and supportive yes and when it's so blatantly when you do things that are so blatantly anti-text mm-hmm. and we have to call it out. Right. Well, and what frustrates me is I do not have a problem with the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. But where the Republican Party is headed, that's what I'm concerned about. Yeah. But I know I'm not a, you know, I've just never aligned with that party. Right. But what my problem is, and I've had this conversation with other older Republicans, and they have concerns about it too, because it's not the party that they want either. Right. It's like we're focusing on all the, or they are focusing on all these fringe issues. And I truly think that it's because that's the vocal They're a minority, minority, but they're vocal. Yeah. If that makes sense. They're the smallest amount of people, but they're the loudest. And they vote in primaries. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, there's something... To me, there's a lot of really bitter irony in the direction that specifically the Texas Republican Party is heading because Texas itself was founded upon this principle, but I feel like Republicans often pride themselves on being people who are very... You mind your business, I'll mind mine. Like a literal, I don't care what gender you are. Right. Or, or, yeah. It's none of my business. I don't care what you do with your body. Yeah. Do, do what you will. I'm do, you, a, do you work hard? Are you honest? Right. Are you going to help if I need help? Like that's, those and, are the things that matter. And they're heading toward a direction of like, I want to be all up in your business, yeah. regulating everything that you do with your business. Except for mask mandates. Except for that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many delicious memes floating around yeah. about masks having guns having more rights than women yeah. in Texas. I saw the pandemic has or the virus has the vi- more yeah. rights than women in Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's scary. It hurts. Man. That one hurts. Um, and that's that thing of like, I know I'm proud to be a Texan, and mm-hmm. I, I feel like you are as well. Yes. And I think it's that thing of because I'm proud, I feel like it's our job to ask for better. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree, and that's what. Like, I don't want to leave this state and mm-hmm. I don't want to stop trying, at least for now. I feel like I still have fight in me. I can do it. Um, I don't know, like, 
how I'll feel if we have another session like mm-hmm. this session. Mm-hmm. But I agree, and I want to make Texas better, and mm-hmm. I know that the majority of Texans want a better state. Yeah. yeah. And as, as a Texan right now, what are the two things you're most disappointed in? Mm-hmm. And what are the two things that you're most hopeful for? Good question. So I think disappointment would definitely be how this last session went. I think Mm -hmm. the focus on social issues, again, some of the bills that passed, not just bills that had hearings, bills that passed never would have gotten hearings in the last sessions because Mm -hmm. they were too controversial. Mm -hmm. And then this session they passed. Um, So that was really hard to see. And I think the attitude, not just that gentleman I mentioned earlier, but I've seen other Mm -hmm. things. I've seen derogatory comments about trans women made in their presence, like by people at the Capitol. And it should not matter what party you are. It should not matter whether you agree with them Mm -hmm. or not. But that's the thing that's disappointing me in Texas is that some people in Texas think it's okay to be hateful. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the things I'm hopeful for, honestly, are the younger generation. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited about them. I see it in my interns. I see it in just you know, looking at social work students and hearing what they're working on, what they're passionate about, and just seeing what the younger generation is doing in the realm of advocacy. They Mm -hmm. truly are trying to make a difference. Um, So that gives me a lot of hope. And the fact that in two years or when we vote next year, and then in the next presidential election, we will have more young people eligible to vote. That gives me a lot of hope Mm -hmm. because honestly, y'all, the numbers last year were a lot closer than people want to admit. And Mm -hmm. so I think that we are um, changing as a state, Mm -hmm. even if people don't want to admit Mm it. What do you think is, because not all of us can can do the work that you do Mm -hmm. for a plethora of reasons. But what is the important work that we can do as individuals mm-hmm. to create a, a more open, more accepting, and a better society? Yeah. So, a better I mean, Texas. love it. I mean, I think what I would recommend, and y'all already do this, but <laughs> like just being nice, like be nice to people just and be not kind. be like, seriously, <laughs> don't make it about. Yeah. Like, it doesn't need to be this divisive us versus them. Mm -hmm. It does not need to be rural versus urban, liberal versus conservative. Like, let's not think of everything in that dichotomy. Same with, um, like, othering people. Don't other immigrants or other LGBTQ people, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, I think that, and also on a more practical level, voting Mm -hmm. and trying to stay informed, which I know Texas doesn't make it easy, but... Things as simple as following the Texas Tribune and just seeing what's going on at the Capitol. The Texas mm-hmm. Tribune is nonpartisan. Mm-hmm. They're great. Um, and if there are organizations that, you know, work on topics that you care about, mm-hmm. actually following them and supporting them. Right. Because they're the ones at the Capitol that are able to influence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get this question a lot from my friends that don't, you know, work in this space. They're like, I want to do something. And I'm like, honestly, donate or, sure. you know, go to a rally, go to mm-hmm. a protest, go to something that, you know, even if it's virtual, go to mm-hmm. something that helps you feel plugged in. Yeah. Yeah. Participate in the system. Exactly. Don't be a bystander. And exactly. then as more specifically as to straight white dudes who are not females <laughs> and cannot child yeah. rear. Yeah. Um, on a practical level, what are the things that we can do um, mm-hmm. to get rid of this SB8 bill? Just... Oof. I mean, I was going to, I thought you were just going to say like broadly to support 
or just broadly. But and I would broadly, say, yes, for sure. yeah, yeah, broadly, I would say like support women, listen mm-hmm. to women, believe women. Mm-hmm. And Texas does support women, by yes, the way. Yes, I, I know y'all do. Um, <laughs> but also, when a woman is saying something to you, don't interrupt her like in a meeting. I don't know. It's some things as simple as that. But about SB eight, <laughs> that was that sounded. Uh, there was some pepper on that because <laughs> it literally happens to me every day, every day and it's yeah. so annoying. But um, the like how to fight SBA as a man. I think it's donating to organizations and mm-hmm. being vocal about it. Like y'all are doing a great job even sure. just talking about it because a lot of people don't know what the bill actually does, how right. egregious it is. And again, we're not just talking about abortion. Mm-hmm. We're talking about private citizens being able to sue. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> um, I just, you know, again, our, our, our listenership is what it is, but I, I just hope that of the people who didn't know anything other than, oh, it's, I'm, I'm anti-abortion, this mm-hmm. is anti-abortion, cool. And right. then they check right. out. Because, like, let's be honest, people have jobs and they work hard and yeah. they have to take care of their family. So there are some things that, that you just don't go all the way to, to get to the bottom of. Absolutely. It's too complicated. Yeah. You don't have time. You're doing a thousand other things. And I think that's okay. But I, mm-hmm. I hope that if there's, you know, even one person who's like, oh, I didn't know that private citizens could sue me for like being like, yeah, Oklahoma's that way. Right. Exactly. <sighs> yeah. Again, that's very anti-Texas. Again, that's very, <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> oh man, I, uh, uh, I don't even know. <sighs> I, I Alice and I have two more questions for you and then we'll let you go. We know that you have way more important fish to fry and a precious, <laughs> a precious baby to go home. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so who much for Who should be awake now. Oh, should be awake. <laughs> Perfect. First, and this is about to just be like an out of left field question, but I'm curious mm-hmm. about this whole time. With the coronavirus specifically, what has it been like for you as somebody who has spent time in China mm. to see... To see the the negative rhetoric that has surrounded the Chinese population, the coronavirus Mm -hmm. itself, like how has that impacted you with your experience in China? I really appreciate that question, Gunnar, because it's been really hard to see, even when, you know, just getting on Facebook and seeing people share memes and jokes about it. It's really, I feel so strongly for people in China or who have Chinese background living in the U S like that has been very real. Mm -hmm. I've heard from some of our social work members who have had people, you know, say hateful slurs to them in the grocery store for being of Asian descent. And Mm -hmm. it's really heartbreaking. And it's so disappointing to me that we can't think beyond that it's not a personal decision. No one Mm -hmm. made this personal decision Mm -hmm. for this to come from a country. Mm -hmm. And it's a country of a billion people. So you're really generalizing a Mm -hmm. lot of people. So And it looks like it probably came from an American-funded lab. So Yeah. It's been painful. And I think just there's already an anti-Asian sentiment among some Americans already. Mm -hmm. And so it makes me sad that this fueled the fire, if that makes sense. It does. Yeah, it's a beautiful country. Yeah, definitely. I, I remember when you came, I got to hang out with you. I mm-hmm. think you had to babysit me or something when you came back from that, but I was so fascinated. That's our age difference yeah, yeah. there, folks. <laughs> I was so fascinated with, like, you had been in this other country, and mm-hmm. I remember you talking about how beautiful it was, mm-hmm. how friendly the people were, mm-hmm. how how accepting they were to you. Yes. So, so after remembering you had been there, I was just so curious to yeah. know, like, what has this year been like for you? 
yeah. with that. And then lastly, and you've hinted at it a few times throughout our awesome conversation, what does it mean to you to be mm-hmm. Texan? Oh, goodness. Um, to me, it means trying to enjoy the things that Texas has to offer. So whether that be, you know, beautiful scenery, amazing food, good culture, but also trying to better the state. And there's just a lot of pride. Mm -hmm. You know, y'all get it. Having grown up in West Texas, it's like every time I go back there, there is a sense of pride, even though it's not my current home. But there's Mm -hmm. a sense of just I love this state so much, Mm -hmm. even if I disagree with some of the things that are happening. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think think the reason disagreement usually feels just kind of eh. But there's something about the things that I think all of us disagree with in this moment in time hurts more because it's it's damaging the Texas that we hold dear. Exactly. Um, it's it's diminishing what Texas is in into mm-hmm. the caricature that I think a lot of people think it is. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's really painful to watch. Yeah. People want to move from here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people don't want to move here. Yeah. Yeah. And that's we weren't founded that way. Mm-hmm. We're we're hoping we can change that and and thank you for the work you do to change that on a practical level and are there any kind of parting thoughts in the line Mm -hmm. in the vein of kind of what we've been talking about that you want to leave uh you know anything that has gone unsaid that we can listen to i mean honestly i feel like i got most of it out i think just reminding people to if you don't know about an issue to look it up Mm -hmm. um especially with the year we've had with racial justice Mm -hmm. and so many new issues coming to light for so many people just do some research before you make an opinion and try to learn from people who are actually impacted by things before you kind of make a general opinion that'd be my last thing and what about a Lance sighting? I wait, yeah. Well, hold on. I, I was, I, she came in and she was like, dude, you're never going to believe it. Wait, did you see him? I have one. Tell us. Well, it's not recent. That's okay. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. That's fine. So that's fine. I was at Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. This is like on brand. Dude, okay. this is so on brand. So on brand. So I was at Whole Foods, the downtown flagship location. Mm-hmm, now, mind you, listeners, this is pre-Amazon purchase. Right. So Whole different Foods was a different vibe. Place. I miss the pre-Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was just there was a gelato bar. There it was a different vibe. A different vibe. Yeah. But anyway, I was checking out and um, the cashier, another cashier came to talk to my cashier and said, Lance is in the freezer section. And I was like, Lance? Lance? Like the Lance? (laughs) And so I, kid you not, I walked away from the checkout and I like went and I did total like rubbernecking around. (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't see him. I know, but his vibe was there yeah. okay. and he was in the same he does have he a was in the same smell. office or a, not the office but he was in the same building as me yeah like you were moving a little you bit were, faster because yeah. he had been yeah. it's not fair because he's on the bike so it's hard to catch up yeah. to him yes exactly i bet he was looking for frozen meatballs i bet he was <laughs> he's gonna get them he's gonna, he's get, gonna him. get them all that's a good <laughs> that's a good lance sighting yeah yeah i like it well allison thank you so so much for your time and for educating yeah. us and for, for being willing to sit down and, mm-hmm. and talk about some things that 
on a personal level for you mm-hmm. and a professional level are, 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 have been hurtful, but are also yeah. important. So yeah. Thank well, thank you, Seth and Gunner for the invite. Um, this has been really fun and I love Good. talking about this stuff. We can't stuff. wait to do it again. Yeah. In, in a less charged. Yeah, we can't wait to do this again on the other side right. of like, they fixed it. Yes. I'm hopeful, holding out hope for that. Us too. So thank all right. y'all. All right. Bye y'all. Bye. Bye.